Uh, glad you are here tonight. Appreciate the worship team. Just good to be in, uh, in an atmosphere of worship. You know what I mean? Just really. You can feel God's presence. And uh, listen, the reason we come on Thursday or Sunday or Wednesday, anytime we come to a, a corporate time of worship, of gathering, it's for worship. Right? Like, there's power when we join together and we worship corporately. Uh, secondary is so that we hear the message. We hear what God uh, is saying through, you know, a speaker. But primarily, the main point of coming to a gathering is to worship God corporately. You know what I'm saying? And so I want to encourage you, like, to really to, to, to try to tune everyone out when you're worshiping. Um, and just tell God, I love you. Thank you. In worship, we're not looking for a feeling. We're not looking for emotions. We're looking to just tell God how much we love him. You know what I mean? And there's power when we do it all together. Nod your head and said, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. So anyway, uh, glad you're here. Happy to be here myself. Uh, how many people watched the Super Bowl? Man, 13 of y'all. All right. Good deal. Uh, how many people watched the Super Bowl just for the commercials? Anybody here? Like a few of y'all, right? Like my wife, Whitney, she's all about that. Okay, how many people watch it just for Taylor and, and Travis? <laughs> Several of y'all. Okay, so, uh, so Gabe and Aslan went to a deal at Miss um, Lacey's house. Miss Lacey runs uh, our big zone and kids zone. If, if you go to church here, you know who she is. And she had just a few people over to the house who were watching the game. Anytime they showed Taylor... Uh, it was all, basically all boys, and just my daughter was there, too, hanging out with one other girl. But mostly it was boys watching the game. And anytime they showed Taylor, uh, like, up in her box, she said, drop down and give me five push-ups. And so when I picked Gabe up, he had done 65 push-ups. Okay? <laughs> so I think that's funny. Uh, but the best commercial, uh, hands down, had to be the Dunkin' Donuts, if you saw that, uh, with Ben and Tom and who's the other guy? Matt. Is that who it was? It was really good. I feel like Anthony probably loved that one too. I didn't see Dak in any commercials. Maybe next year he'll make. Maybe he'll make the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's pretty good. Anyway, hey, we're going to jump in tonight. Um, we're we're continuing the series that I started two weeks ago called B. Everyone say B. B. It's uh, it's a series that we're basically looking at Jesus's Sermon on the Mountain, and uh, hopefully we realize just as every week that we come here, but hopefully we realize uh, that God is calling us not to just live a life where we live and die, okay? Uh, our purpose here on the earth is not to just get a good job one day, to graduate college one day, uh, to have a paid off house one day, to have a few kids one day, you know, to retire for like five years and then, then die, okay? Like God has more in store for our life than just those things, God has something specific that he wants us to be and to do. Um, God wants us to be his vessels in the earth right now, to be his representatives right now. He's called all of us to be bold. He's called us to be righteous. He's called us to be uh, unwavering in our faith. And he's called us to be an expression of love in the world. Come on, the world needs love. Right? The world needs Jesus, and we are the, the conduits or vessels to show the world love. That's how Jesus set it up, right? So you and I would have a mission, right, to, to be used by God. Every single day, God is calling us to, to be the voice for him. He's calling us to help people. Um, every single day, there's voices in our culture that are giving people everything other than Jesus, all right, think about commercials, think about entertainment, think about social media. Uh, they're all telling us how to be, how to act, 
And as believers, we need to know what the culture is saying and what God is saying. And we need to know, but then pick and choose and live how God wants us to live, right? Uh, we live in a day right now that's just super crazy. Um, anybody like read the news a bunch? I know Mark does in the back. I knew you were going to raise your hand. Anybody else like you follow the news? Maybe read a news article every once in a while. That's my advice to you. Um, I, I tell older people, like, stop watching the news and reading the news. But for some younger people, you do need to know kind of what's going on, right? There's some craziness going on. There's always craziness going on. Uh, but particularly things that are happening in the Middle East, things that are happening in our own country, there is craziness. It's okay. She's good. Uh, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, there's just craziness that's going on. But as believers, it's a great opportunity to do something for Jesus, right? Um, you know, sometimes I just, I, I, like, I like to read. Um, I, I, I'm taking a class right now that's kind of annoying. And I, I've had like 12 books to read over these 16 weeks. But I also have like a stack of books that I want to read when I have some time to read those books. I like history. And sometimes I, I like reading about ancient times and all this, and some of that like inspires me. Like in my life, I have no desire to like move to a big city and like live there. Like my dream is to like move into like a cabin on like a thousand acres with some water and just like check out. All right. That's my dream. And maybe, you know, in like 50 years that'll happen. But I also think about, man, the accessible things that we have. You know what I mean? Like we have knowledge now. Uh, I didn't say wisdom. I said we have knowledge now to things that people didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, man, how big is that? Like, when did that happen? This is what was found. And I, I think Christians, what an awesome opportunity that God has given us. Like we have the opportunity to influence more people like individually than probably so many generations and in, in, of people before us. Right. There, there's so many avenues and venues to do this. We have cars. Right. Um, I'll, I'll watch Western movies sometimes. And I'm like, man, I'd like to just go on a horse. But then I remember like when you ride horses, like your booty hurts. You know what I mean? And like they stink sometimes. And like cowboys, like back in the day, like they didn't even take bass very often. You know what I mean? So like we have been set up. We're in America. It's 2024. We have a great opportunity to reach people for Jesus. Let's know and do and be what he's called us to be, right? Um, the age group that you're in, I believe in general, is, is very confused and very manipulated. Not saying you are, but a lot of people your age, they are commercials, entertainment, if you watched the Super Bowl and you just looked at commercials, it was not targeting old people. It was targeting you. Buy this, own this, rent this, you need this, look like this, dress like this. A lot of the older people have been tapped out, okay? They are marketing to a new generation. You know, you think about social media or just, you know, the internet, you're going to look at a site and then the stuff pops up, you know, like the cookies, like they are profiting off of us. Man, there's, I guarantee you there's files of all of us somewhere that's like, you know what? Hannah likes this. She likes this. She wants to go live here. She wants to do this. This is the kind of milk she likes, bread she likes, you know, all this stuff. And they market to us. Have you ever been talking to somebody about something specific? Man, I wish I, you know, I, I want to buy a skateboard. And then like five minutes later, like there's a skateboard ad on your deal. Do you think that's random? 
No, there's a culture that is marketing to you. It's, it's called cradle to grave. They want you when you're young. They want you when you die. They want your kids. That's what's going on. Since before you and I were born, there's been a push by our society. We know this to get God out of everything, out of school, out of the courthouses, out of homes, even out of the church. There's been a push to confuse and steal the identity uh, of every one of us. And, and after decades of kind of like this push, we're seeing the impact. People your age are more confused. They're more angry. They're more depressed. God's standards have been replaced by, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Do you know what the top need is? It's self-actualization. That's more important than God's standards or honoring God. It's like making yourself feel and, and like you should feel. Okay, like that's the push. God's commands have been re replaced by this pseudo do whatever you want to do gospel. Okay, you can say you follow Jesus, but you know, in, in actuality, are we? The, uh, there's events and, 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 and just anyway, different people even professing to be Christians. Are we really following Jesus or are we just kind of making it up and following somewhat of the teachings of Jesus. Have we mixed biblical truth with a, with a mixture of this work for us, cultural relativism, gospel? Like we have to evaluate, right? In our own life, but also in the lives of people around us. Um, there's another Jesus that's being preached right now. And we got to make sure that we're following the true Jesus. The reason that we're doing this B-series is to look at God's Word and see what God has called us to be and to do from the foundation of the earth, not what's popular. Okay, I think what's really going to set Christians apart um, in the days to come is are you a biblically-based Christian? Not do you just profess to be Christians. You know, if you can go back and look at uh, different uh, communist regimes that took over other nations, they would come in and they were okay with like religion, but the religion had to be practiced in a state church. Go read about Russia. Go read about a lot of these, you know, uh, eastern places. Like, listen, you can have church, but we're going to have people tell you what you can and can't talk about. There's a push, and I guarantee you the enemy doesn't care that this is America and we've had a constitution for 250 years. Like, what does that mean? Rome was great, and it fell, right? I mean, King David, the greatest king ever, that nation fell. Every nation where Babylon, Persia, has fallen, and to think that, that America would not fall because we won two world wars doesn't make any sense. If Christians don't step up and lead and do what God's calling us to do, man, we're, we're headed further and further away from God. Even as the culture goes away from God, it's a great opportunity for us to reach people right now, okay? But you and I have to know the truth because knowing the truth sets us free. Knowing the truth. The truth doesn't set anybody free. Knowing the truth. You got to know the truth, right? So that's what we're talking about this uh, tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter number five. Um, this chapter is all about Basically, it's the Sermon on the Mountain, but it's also about Beatitudes. A couple weeks ago, I hit two of these Beatitudes, and uh, tonight I'm just going to hit one of these Beatitudes. 
And then I'm going to kind of spin off from that. Um, but even in our group, starting this coming Thursday, you are going to be uh, last Thursday, this Thursday, the ones that we don't have services when we have groups, you're kind of following along with the Beatitudes, right? That's kind of what we're going through. So anyway, we're going to jump in. We're going to look at one. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. And I think uh, Brandon put it in, in there for me. And I think Miss Brandy is showing it on the screen. But here's what Jesus says. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see who? God, all right? Blessed, blessed or blessed? Which one is it? Blessed. Are they spelled the same way? Yeah. Blessed and blessed? There you go. You learned something at church today. I did. Uh, I say it different every time. Uh, again, the whole point of these Beatitudes, Jesus is showing believers, this is twofold, what you need to do to be with God in eternity, to go to heaven. Secondly, um, this is what a true follower of God should look like. If you go back to the context, I mean, Jesus just showed up on the scene. You've had several thousand years of the old covenant. Now you have these Pharisees and Sadducees that at least at this point in time, um, they are not honoring God. And so the people around this time, they're getting a, a mixture of Old Testament covenant and just even paganism. I don't have time to break that down, but there's a lot of trash that's going on in this culture. And so Jesus shows up on the scene just at the right time. Okay, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me, and I don't want to chase too many trails, but it's fascinating to me that Scripture says that at the appointed time, or just the right time, according to what translation you're reading, that Jesus came, right? Jesus could have came 2,000 years before. He could have came waited 2,000 years, but he came at this time because everything was set up for the gospel to travel all around the world. I think it's pretty cool. So Jesus shows up on the scene. Man, you've had hundreds of years of a lot of false teaching, and Jesus comes to set the record straight. If you want to follow me, this is how you follow me. Right. Go back to Moses. When they crossed over the Red Sea, it was 11 day journey to get to the promised land. Did they go into the promised land? Not not at first. Only took 11 years to get from Egypt to the promised land, but they were scared of the giants, so they did not go in. And so as they're wandering around in the desert for 40 years for a lot of that group to die out, God gave them the, the law. Why did he give them the law? Because for 400 years, they were in, enslaved by the Egyptians. They didn't know how to live or have society. So he gave them these laws, 10 laws. And after those 10 laws, there was hundreds of other laws that kind of came out of that. If you just think about the 10 commandments, half of those are set up, man, basically just to be a good neighbor. You want to be a good neighbor? Don't steal from your neighbor, right? Don't take your neighbor's wife. Don't do this, that, or the other. So... Old Testament, he is showing these new Israelites, you've been enslaved, now you're coming out, you're going to have your own land, this land of Canaan. I want to show you how you're supposed to live. You fast forward 2,000 years, Jesus is doing the same thing. He's establishing a new covenant, and he's saying, listen, if you want to follow me, I'm going to show you how to follow me. Are you following me here? Okay, good. Uh, if not, uh, just it'll go quick, maybe. So anyway, let's look at this. Jesus is saying, if you want to enter my kingdom, if you want to be a true follower, you must be pure in heart. What does this mean? First, what does this word pure mean? What well, means faultless? When a thing is pure, it's unmixed, it's uh, unadulterated, it's uncontaminated, it's undefiled by anything foreign to itself. Uh, pure means it's clear, it's whole, it's true, it's perfect. 
It's sterling, it's immaculate, it's spotless, it's untainted, good, moral, impeccable, honorable, principled, ethical, guiltless, flawless, sincere, and you could go on and on and on. If you want to enter my kingdom, Jesus is saying, you have to be pure. And I'm reading that and I'm like, oh man, that's tough right there. I mean, do I need to give another 20 adjectives to describe kind of what pure means? We kind of understand it. Jesus says that that's how our heart needs to be. It's a lot harder than just, okay, I'm going to have a pure heart. I find that one of the hardest parts of my life is keeping my heart pure towards other people and even towards God at times. Think about in our life, there's distractions, there's temptations, there's people that frustrate us. Anybody ever get frustrated at people? I mean, some of y'all, some of y'all are so holy, you never get frustrated at nobody. Man, I need that to rub off on me. Yet, yeah, listen, Jesus knows the condition of the world. He knows all the stuff that's kind of messed up. Yet he tells us in this day, in this hour, I want you to be pure. And if you're not pure, you're not going to see me. Man. If I just dropped the mic right now and walked off, I feel like we would all be very depressed. Because if you just look at some of our lives, we would say, man, I'm not, I'm not pure. I'm not, I, I'm not, I have not met the standard of the definition that I just gave. All right? So how can I keep my heart pure when people hurt me? How can I keep my heart pure when I've been let down, when I've been deceived? How can I he- keep my heart pure in a society that's so filthy? Think about jealousy. Think about lust and pornography. Think about anger and hatred and murder and all these things. How do we keep our heart pure? A lot of us, we've been exposed to things that we should have been exposed to. How can we keep our heart pure? Well, the answer really is fourfold practically. And I want to give some practical answers right now that will help you. First, if we want to keep ourselves pure, we have to stay close to God, right? When we come into His presence, when we're spending time with Him, we look more like Him. So if we want to to live where our heart is pure, we need to be hanging out with Jesus. We need to spend time with him. We need to read. We need to pray. We need to do the things that he wants us to do. Amen. Secondly, we got to forgive people. Uh, People are boneheads, right? That means you're a bonehead. I'm a bonehead. People do dumb stuff to us, but we have to forgive people. Did you know that people have to forgive you probably right now for things that you said intentionally or unintentionally? Actions that you've shown or not shown. A lot of times we always put ourselves up as the person that's like never messed up and everybody owes us something. But I mean, check yourself. Some people right now, maybe are at another college ministry and they're having to like forgive you for something you said or didn't say. Like that puts it into perspective. So I want to forgive people because I know I've hurt people, right? I'm going to give out what I want to receive. Right? Thirdly, we need to remember our true identity that we're sons and daughters of God. If we want our heart to remain pure, we have to realize that though we live in this world, we're not of this world. God is the one who gives identity as we spend time with God. He shows us who we are. Come on, the culture is not our home. The culture wants to steal our identity. Right? Here's the fourth thing. Um, we can't let the junk of the world inside of us. Right, Ships sink, big, powerful ships, the Titanic, whatever uh, ship you think of that sank before. Not because of the water on the outside, but the water that gets on the inside. If we want to remain pure in a generation, in an age where things are dark and bad and unpure and unholy, we have to make sure that we're living in the world, we're not letting that junk inside of us. 
We have to close the window, shut the door of things that are coming into our mind and to our heart, right? Because I want to live a lifestyle that honors God, that, that pleases God, and I want my heart to remain pure. Can I get an amen? Okay, so uh, that's a few things, right? Um, Jesus obviously um, had a pure heart. He never sinned, right? So he had a pure heart. Our heart has to look like him. And in a minute, at the end of this message, I'm going to come back to this, but I want to shift gears just for a second, okay? And I want to shift gears because uh, yesterday was what? Valentine's Day. I think until I was like 16, I said Valentine's Day. I don't know why, but just a bit of information there. Uh, But yesterday was Valentine's Day or Single Awareness Day. Um, I read where... Uh, anywhere from 19 billion to 24 billion dollars was spent yesterday on uh, Valentine bears and flowers and chocolates and and Valentine grams. Okay, um, funny funny story. And I bought some I bought some like some things for my kids, and so I, I'm part of that um, of this fake made up holiday. Uh, you know, I mean, I like I like cake and, and all that too. Actually, I, I'll tell y'all how bad, man. I was I went to Julie's Deli. Like, if you really want some good cake or good cookies, and you you know you want to just drop money for no reason, go get a Julie's cake, and like you can have a fat party, and it will be awesome. Okay, just throwing that out there. But kind of a funny story. So uh, my 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 kids, uh, my older two kids, uh, they go to Legacy. It's a it's like a two day school that we have here at our church, and uh, my son. I wasn't going to share this if he was in here, but he's not here tonight, so I will. So if, when you see him, don't embarrass him. Uh, but uh, Stephanie, who is our legacy coordinator, uh, you know, she was coming around. She put something on my desk. So you could buy, like, candy grams, like, for people, like, in your class. Are you all familiar with this? Did you all do this back in the day? Okay. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, my, my son, he, he kind of got a crush on this girl. Okay. Older girl. She's, like, one year older than him. And uh, so, so Gabe wanted to buy like a, like a, a gram for this girl. And, um, but like he wanted it to be like, like low key. So he's like, dad, can we buy one for everyone in my class? And these are like two or three bucks and there's like 12 people. And I'm like, dude, you can buy it. You buy it. And he's like, you know, and he's like, can you do it? I don't have, I'm trying to buy a fishing pole. And I'm like, I'll let you work. And I wrote out some things. You do this, and I'll give you some money. I think this is dumb, right? If you like this girl, which you're only 10 years old, like I don't even, you know what I mean? But anyway, so we, uh, he bought candy grams for, for the whole class, right? Anyway, had nothing to do with anything. But <laughs> So here's the deal. Uh, the focus tonight is centered around the Beatitudes. I just talked about it. keep uh, your heart pure. But I think it's only fitting because it is February and yesterday was Valentine's Day uh, that we're going to talk about um, kind of our heart and purity and relationships just for a few minutes. Is that okay? If not, it'll be quick, right? So kind of the second title of this message is Be Love. Be Love, right? Um, So Jesus, he's already told us to keep our heart pure. And I told you kind of some practical ways. Yet we all know it's easy for a heart to become jaded and hard and broken at times. And I think one of the main reasons that this can happen, particularly with people in this age group, is because we have a, a generation of young people that have gotten jacked up uh, from bad relationships. 
from dating, from identity, from just that whole thing going back even to junior high or high school or, or college days because we have a misteaching on dating and relationships and what God says, okay? Um, I don't think our culture has a good idea of what healthy, godly relationships look like. I think the enemy knows what a healthy relationship looks like. That's why everything that's thrown at us is completely opposite of that, okay? Think about shows that are on television. Think about how relationships are portrayed. Like, think about movies. Whatever movie you want to talk about um, that's not, like, G-rated, and even some of those are, like, crazy. Um, But just think about a normal, like, you know, several million dollar box office movie. It's going to have one night stands, right? No big deal. It's going to have like cheating. No big deal. They get back together because they realize they truly weren't being honest with themselves to begin with. And it was really the other person's fault. Are you following me? Like that's how they're portrayed, right? Uh, That's what they show is just bad. Uh, Hollywood does a terrible job of portraying godly relationships, Hollywood stars do a terrible job of exemplifying godly relationships, right? They may be talented, but they've also been married like eight times. You know what I'm saying? They can't figure it out. They're hurting, and they're going to something temporary. You know, uh, it seems like every six months or so, there's, there's a new, you know, like hot couple, right, that's out, that's popular. Who is it right now? It's Taylor and Kelsey, right? And I am grateful that like thousands of new football fans have turned out and they're learning the game, right? But like, I'll be honest, and and I don't want to hurt your feelings too bad, but you know, as much as I think about like Travis Kelsey, like I would love for my son to have that athletic ability. I would love to have that athletic ability. I mean, dude's a stud, right? He's a stud. So many girls are like, he's a stud. (laughs) Right. I mean, I would love for my daughters to be able to like sing like like Taylor Swift. Like she has a great voice. Would we agree? Some of you are like, no, that's not my style. Well, she does. She has a great voice. At the same time, I can also see how I don't want my daughter in the future to to date someone like Travis Kelsey. Right. Great football player. Also pushed his coach on the sideline, cussed him out a little bit. He's had several bad relationships, got drunk on, you know, TV. Like, I don't want my daughter dating that, right? She can, he, she can sing. He can, he can play football. Uh, I don't want my son to have to go through relationships. And, like, Taylor, she's, she's awesome. But I don't want my son to, to date someone that, you know, is getting drunk on national TV. No judgment to her. Are you following me here? But can we be honest? We can say it's cool that they got together and they're, and they're dancing to the song that she's saying. That's cool and great. But I look from a, from a different perspective now, and I'm like, listen, if, if my son, you know, was ever to, to have something where he's of great influence, like I want him being an influence for God, right? And here I am talking about people I don't even know, just people I see on TV. The problem isn't secularism. The problem is Christians looking like secularism. The problem is Christians that do relationships and dating just like the world does, right? It it is, and this is why it's portrayed. Like, you too can be like this couple or that couple, and you can wear their stuff, and you can do this and that, right? God is calling us to live a standard. Um, I know everyone in here, we want love, yet we need to know the meaning of what love is in God's terms, And I alluded to this earlier, but I think one of the reasons maybe our heart isn't pure before God is because we've gotten hurt by someone of the opposite sex, 
uh, and it skewed our view of God and perfect love and of ourself and of our own worth, okay? A lot of times when we don't know God, we don't know our true identity, and then we go into this dating world not knowing us, and, and we're getting in relationships with people who don't know God or themselves, and it's just a mess. We all know like good, like things where it worked out, where people like later got saved in life and things were great. But listen, there's a lot of identity crises that are causing people to get in relationships with the wrong person, and you don't have to. Like you can do it God's way, right? If you're single, like if you have a choice, God's way or the other way, I, I choose, choose what you want, but I would choose God's way, right? Uh, so here's what I want to do. The next 15, 10 or 15 minutes, uh, I want to give God's definition of love, and I want to give a counterfeit definition, and because I don't want anyone in here deceived, and I don't want anyone in here in a bad relationship or another bad relationship. Uh, I don't want you to waste your time and forfeit the purpose that God has for you. Okay, and then I, I want to give one piece of advice to guys and then to the ladies. Right? Sound good? All right, there we go. Um, in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse four, this is the love chapter and the love verses. It says this: Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Verse 6, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Say truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. That's a good definition of what love is. Love is built on truth. Say truth. God's love for us is the standard bearer. God's love doesn't play games. It doesn't manipulate, and it doesn't cheat. Come on. But you know what? There are a lot of bad definitions of love, and I could give several, but I want to give just one word that kind of, I think, has been manipulated, uh, and we think that love is, and it's attraction, okay? Listen to me. Just because you think someone is good-looking, they're hot, whatever, doesn't mean that you love them, right? And it doesn't mean that you should be in a relationship with them because you're attracted to them. Being drawn towards someone isn't love, it's probably attraction or lust, right? See, lust and attraction are centered around looks and feelings and hormones. Love isn't. Love is centered around truth, okay? Now, attraction can, can bring you to know someone better and then, you know, whatever, God made it, so we're attracted to people, but attraction is not love. And if your relationship is just built off of that, that's going to fall really quick, okay? Here's the problem. Um, have you ever been attracted to something that was bad? Yeah. Every night at like 1030, I'm attracted to sugar. And that's bad, right? But we can, you love sugar? I love it too. It's just, it's just bad for me, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like we can be attracted to the wrong things. We can love the wrong things. Come on, attraction isn't love. Pornography isn't love. Sex is not love. You know, you think about David. Okay, I, just for Tom's sake, I'm not going to go into this, you know, whole passage, but David was a mighty man of God. He loved God. David also had his faults. Remember uh, 2 uh, Samuel chapter 11, in the, in the year when kings go out to battle, what did David do? He stayed at the house. He's chilling. It's a picture of his relationship with God at this point in time and season in his life. It had grown cold. So he sees Bathsheba. Bathsheba. She's taking a bath. And, man, he's a king. So he calls her up, right? We know what happens. Was he in love with her? No, he may have been infatuated with her, but he's attracted to her. 
Love is not an attraction, okay? What I want to encourage us is two things. Love Jesus with your whole heart and guard your heart so you don't create an emotional, emotional attachment to the wrong person because they're hard to break. Emotional attachments to the wrong person, they're hard to break. And a lot of you could say amen. You may want to say it under your breath, but you like that person. They were the wrong person. They did you wrong. You wasted time and it hurt your heart. Okay, a lot of us have been there before. Okay, um, side note: Did you know how ninety percent of human history has done marriage? Just going to throw this out there: um, It's through arranged marriage. And I like I, I told that to my uh, eight-year-old the other day. I'm like, "Your mom and I, we're going to arrange your marriage," and she's like, "No." And I'm like, eh, I'm, "But I'm like, no, we we going to make sure that Joker comes in." Joker going out. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to know what's up. So anyway, uh, but it was based off of not love. It was actually 90% of human history's marriage was based off respect, then honor, then love came. We look for love first. Love doesn't come first. Love comes after respect, honor, truth, then love comes. All right? Um, now I want to take a few minutes, and I want to talk to the gentleman. All right? Just for a second. I believe that God... Um, is going to do some things in the next few moments, and it's going to help us with how we see God and how we see having a pure heart, okay? Um, particularly guys. God is calling us to love him and to love one woman at, at a certain time for the rest of your life, okay? Not um, hook up, shack up, break up. That is, that is the trend of culture, and that is not what God wants us to do. If you have your Bibles, turn with me again to Genesis chapter 3. From the beginning, I think... Um, a lot of times as men, as, as guys, we, we drop the ball. And I think it begins here with Adam in Genesis 3. It says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then we know what happened, the fall of mankind, everything else went down the toilet, right? That's where it started. Now, most of the story is about Eve's interaction with this serpent. My question tonight is this, where is Adam? You know, as you're just kind of reading through this, you may say, man, Adam, maybe he's like, like eating a banana or he like, he's building a fort, he's taking a nap, but he's not. Adam is right there with her. He, he's kind of in the background, but he is right there with her. And even though he shared communion with God, he walked with God, even though he was there before Eve was, he walked with God. He talked with God. We see Adam eat this forbidden fruit. And the question has to be, why? Why? This is what I want to get across to every guy that's in here tonight. It's time for men. It's time for us to quit checking out. And we have to check in. Adam's sin, I believe, is more than he just, more than he just ate this fruit. But I believe that he refused to be involved he refused to be a voice, and he refused to lead. When I look at young men in general, what I see is men that are checked out, zoned out, disconnected, especially when it comes to the things of God, and especially when it comes to leading. 
Sure, we can get hyped up about different things, football, movies, vehicles, uh, games, whatever. But when it comes to our Christian faith, I see a lot of guys just check out, okay? It's like we've, we left a lot of the spiritual aspects of Christianity to the ladies. It, it's, it's ladies that show up more predominantly in prayer meetings. It's ladies that teach more of our children, right? It, it's ladies that are raising our kids more. And it's like the guys have just checked out and we're just going through the motions, right? Um, and just shameless push here for all of you, especially guys, to serve in our kids department or youth department, right? We need some guys. I mean, you okay. <laughs> right? Where in the story I just read is like Adam's love for, for God and, and his wife Eve. If he really loved her, I mean, he, he probably wouldn't have just let her stay there and just talk to this, this animal, right? If he really loved God, he probably would have like, hey, we don't need to do this. Let's go down here by the water and like, like you know, build a fort or something. Um, I see so many guys with such potential, yet they're so passive. And when I'm talking about passivity, I'm not talking about being an alpha or a beta or being someone who can do the most push-ups or chauvinistic, but passive to sin Passive at being a Christian leader and passive at leading godly relationships. I can't begin to tell you how many conversations my wife and I have had over the years with ladies that are so frustrated with their husbands or boyfriends because they won't come to church. They won't pray. They still look at porn. They won't commit to a real relationship. They won't work. Come on, gentlemen, it's time that we are to be men. Ladies, don't date that, okay? Every time you do, it gives guys like, well, I can just, I can just, I don't have to be a man. I can just be a boy forever, right? Where are the men of God? What we have today for our role models are counterfeits that are representing us. I mean, I can give examples of men in shows and all this stuff, and they're weak, and they're feminized, and they're just, eh, right? Jesus is the standard bearer. It's not, it's not whoever. It's, it's Jesus, Jesus, who had all the power in the world, yet let people slap him and said, turn the other cheek and you can slap that one too. Jesus, who, who, who had every right to throw a stone at the lady caught in, a, in adultery, but didn't. Jesus also had a fiery passion for the things of God that flipped over a money table and no one did nothing about it. Like, dude was a man. That is the standard, is Jesus, not whoever, you know, is jacked up on steroids and, and gets in the next big, you know, whatever movie, right? Jesus is the standard bearer. We have to follow his example, right? And listen, until we love God with our whole heart, listen to me, guys. Until we love God with our whole heart first, guys, we don't deserve a woman. Until we can get over porn, we don't deserve a woman, until we can quit touching our girlfriends, we don't deserve a girlfriend. Until we get a job, we don't deserve and, and pay for our stuff. We don't deserve until we can, you know, really pay for a real date. We don't deserve to be in a relationship. I could go on and on. Man, we're called to be builders and givers, not takers and selfish. You know, several months ago, I watched this show on something. It was called like Frontiersman. And like, it's, I think it was a history channel thing, but it amazes me like these people, men and women came over to this country. Um, and I'm not getting into like, man, there's already like people here and they fought each other. But just the fact that 
what it was. Like they settled it. There was no Walmarts. There was no cars. Like they built something and here we are a few hundred years later and it's like, we appreciate that. You know what I mean? Like guys, we're called to be builders. We're called to make something. We're called to be givers. We're not takers. Why did Eve fall to the enemy? Because Adam did not steward well his relationship with his own wife. That's what happened. Obviously, Eve took the apple first, but who did God blame? The man. Genesis chapter 3. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? Now, where's Eve? He starts making excuses for her. You gave her to me. No, man, where are you at? I talked to you. To conclude this awkwardness, okay, John 15, 12 says this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no, none than this than someone that lays down his life for his friends. Guys, that's the man that we're called to be. Maturing, growing, influential, not just in one aspect of our life, but all aspects. I want the connection to raise up young men that know how to love God and then one day love one woman for a lifetime and help and love and defend kids versus tearing apart families. Come on, I'm 39 years old. My, my wife doesn't need a, a, a quarterback anymore. She could care less what I did when I was 17 or 18 or 19. You know what I mean? She needs someone who's going to pray, someone who's going to raise kids, someone who's going to put identity into the kids, someone who's going to pay the bills, and she has a sense of financial security. That's what my wife needs. Not someone who can, you know, do a thousand push-ups, right? Because I, I can't anyways, okay? Um, and, and guys, I'll say this. During this season of your life, like, man, chase God. Like, become excellent at something. Like, save some money, invest some money, like, bring something to the table. Going back to arranged marriages, you didn't get married back in the day unless you had something to bring to that wife and to that family. And they didn't have credit cards, you feel me? Like, prepare yourself for God to be the best husband and father one day, and then when you get to do that, man, do it. And none of us are perfect. We all mess up. But listen, we have to change the mold. Let's be that. All right. Um, all right. Here we go. Let's talk about the girls just for a second. Right? Y'all are with me. Y'all still love me. Three of y'all. Um, this is going to be quick. Back to the story. The serpent comes in. He starts talking to her. He starts tempting her. She's engaged in this conversation with, with Satan. And she ends up sinning. Why? I, I believe for a couple of things. I believe that... Eve, in this moment, I think she's a little naive, but I also think she gets a, a little lonely, okay? And I'm sure she's lonely because Adam's, like, off doing weird stuff. We, we, ladies, we know your main fault has to do with men, okay? I'll, I'll throw that out there. That's what my wife says anyway. But I'm sure, you know, either way, I feel like a, a lot of ladies in this stage of your life, one of the things the enemy wants to do to you is he wants to get you lonely, he wants you to seek attention and affection. Um, and a lot of times it's from the wrong person and it leaves you hurt and it leaves you broken. You know, you ask God to, to set you apart and heal your heart. But listen, ladies, can you go a day or a week without just texting that guy that you know that you should not like be in a relationship with? Can, can we go a day or a week without seeking attention through social media or whatever? You know what I mean? I'm just telling you, like, Loneliness isn't just for ladies. Like God, Anyone can be lonely. But the problem is, in a season of your life where God's calling you to connect with Him, 
And we let loneliness creep in and we start throwing out their feelers to people we shouldn't. Then all of a sudden we have an attachment to someone that we shouldn't. And all of a sudden now we're in this relationship that we shouldn't be in. And then God forbid if it gets sexual and then we have all these emotional ties to people and we're in this relationship and we feel like we can't get out. Are you following me? A lot of times that happens, girls and guys, because of loneliness. But you need to hear this. Alone doesn't mean lonely. It doesn't. And truly, you're not alone because you have friends and you have God. Remember Esther. God prepared her for, 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 for her husband, really for him. Let, let's, let's, let the process unfold in your life. Quit sidetracking the plan that God has for you. Did you know that we can sidetrack God's plan? Through disobedience? We can. God wants us to be obedient. If we will do the things God wants us to do, man, things in your life will move faster. If you walk in disobedience, you're going to be running around the same tree until you stop and then you get in line with what God wants. Amen? Listen, I can't tell you how many ladies have gotten to dumb relationships, dumb marriages because they were lonely and they wanted attention or whatever. Listen, don't settle for some guy who is not following God, right? And side note, just like I told the guys, like, ladies, this is your season if you're not in a relationship to seek God with your whole heart. I mean, if you are in a relationship, you need to be seeking God with your own heart. I mean, you can do more when you're in a season of being single than you can do any other time. I mean, I'm a testimony to that right now. I got four kids. I've been married 16 or 17 years. Uh, man, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm doing this doctorate. And man, let me tell you, you're not meant to do school when you got all these kids. It's hard. I'm reading books about dumb stuff. And my kids are in there like yelling and want me to play with them and losing my books. All right. Use your single season. Be, be thankful for it. Don't run away from it. There's a season to be single. Sing, season to be in a relationship, dating. A season to be engaged and a season to be married. Then a season to have kids. Don't rush your season. And remember this, things mature at different times. I'm not saying we, we all mature just, you know, kind of characteristically and emotionally. But, man, all of us, we, ha- we can't be jealous of our friend if they're in a relationship and married and we're not. I said this a few weeks ago. Uh, it takes 60 years for an oak tree to fully mature and grow and develop. Man, there's other things that grow and like they're fully matured in one day. You can't control the timing, but you can control your faithfulness to God. Amen? Enjoy for all of us. Like, we need to enjoy community. We need to enjoy being with guys, being with girls, right? We need to enjoy. We don't always have to be looking for something. If you look for Jesus, I'm telling you, he will make you into the person that he's called you to be, right? Um, And I say this all the time. I've been been teaching this for so long. Pastor Cole probably does it too. There's such a lie about being equally yoked, what that means. Being equally yoked does not mean we both have the same birthday in March, like we are meant to be together. We both like the Dallas Cowboys. We both like whatever. We're both Southern Baptists. Being equally yoked is about pace, right? Going at the same pace. And when you're going as hard as you can after Jesus, you look over and you see who's doing the same thing right? It's good to be in environments like this. And I know like the culture, living in Texarkana, things are hard, but do not 
go the world's ways to find relationships, okay? I mean, right now, I mean, it's 8.30, in about two hours, the, the few bars that are in Texarkana, they're going to be popping with people that are lonely, that are looking for something, right? They might find something temporary. We want to find something that's going to last. Here's what I want to finish tonight is, is Jack's coming up, okay? That was, that was super practical, right? Maybe it wasn't. Um, but God, here's what I started. God wants our heart pure for him. Amen? And this is cool. Actually, Sarah referenced the same story for offering. But this is Luke's account in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. I want you to follow me here. It says this. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. We're talking about Jesus. He went into the Pharisee's house. He reclined at the table. Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... Okay, when she learned that she, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment, verse 38, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Okay, Sarah did a good job of, of just explaining. I mean, this was a, this was a big deal. You know what I mean? In my own mind, I think she realizes Jesus is there. I think she runs to her house. I think she grabs her life savings, and she goes and buys that ointment there and pours it on his feet. Because when you get in the presence of Jesus, you just want to give him everything. Okay? Listen, the woman in this story doesn't have a name. A lot of people think, man, maybe it's maybe Mary Magdalene. I don't have time to tell you why it's not. A lot of people think this is Mary from Bethany. I don't have time to tell you why it's not. Um, We don't know her name but we know she was a sinner. And a lot of commentary, the people that write commentaries, theologians, think that this word, when you pull it out, is actually she was a prostitute. That's what she was. When you think about a prostitute, you're thinking about someone who is the opposite of pure. Someone that is broken, someone that's confused, someone that's defiled, right? I want you to look how what goes on kind of after the verses that I read. In verse 39, the Pharisees actually, they mock her. Man, you don't even know what you're doing, Jesus, who you just let wipe your feet. And I love what Jesus says in verse 47. If you don't hear anything tonight, hear this. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many. Jesus said she got a lot of sins. But here's what he says. They are forgiven. For she loves much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. See, when Jesus forgives us, we catch a revelation of how much he loves us, okay? And part of that revelation is even though I'm broken and I'm messed up and I'm the farthest thing from pure, when I repent and I catch the, the just wave of love and grace that God gives, it causes me to like have a different mindset. This lady is walking away with her sins forgiven and she's a lady that had a past, you know what I mean? The key to purity is not just living in, in, you know, a corner somewhere and never coming into the culture and never committing one sin. Purity is being in right relationship with God where you live a lifestyle loving God and know that he has forgiven you because of what he did at the cross. Having a pure heart, I gave you some practical things to guard your heart, but having a pure heart only comes from Jesus. He's the only one that ever had a pure heart. You know what I mean? He walked the earth for 33 years. He loved people. He cared for people. He did miracles. 
Ultimately, he came to die on a cross to take away our sins. So what we broke, what we messed up, what we defiled, he could restore and he could bless. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for God restoring areas of my life that I thought I forfeited. You know what I'm saying? Some of you in here, I hope you didn't hear like a condemning word. Like only God can make you pure. And the good news is when we have a relationship with God, when we admit that we're a sinner, like God does make us pure. So basically, how do we keep a pure heart? We walk with God. I could have just summarized that 30 minutes ago and said, how do you have a pure heart? You truly walk with God. But what I love about the Bible is there's countless stories like this of this woman and others that in their brokenness, in their mess ups, God's fullness of love comes through and it shows. And it's so we can see that, so we can live in this pureness with God. Listen, if you've been living a lifestyle away from God, no condemnation, but listen, you, you are offered a better lifestyle. You can live the way God wants you to live. You know what I'm saying? He cares so much about us. He does. Unless we talked a little bit about relationships today. I'm telling you, you're not going to miss God when it comes to relationships if you will spend time with God and you'll run after Him. He's not going to let you miss it. You're His child. He cares for you. Your season may not be now. Or listen, we can do things that prolong things. We can do things that mess us up. Listen, I can be driving to Dallas and get wrong directions and be headed towards Little Rock, and it's going to take time to get back around. But God forgives me. God loves me. There's consequences when we mess, when we mess up, right? But God still loves us, and he forgives us. Amen? Here's what I want to do tonight. We talked about relationships. We talked about being pure. I want you to stand on your feet. And we're going to go back into just a time of worship. And I want us, I mean, this is the love month, the love the love week and all that, I want us to give our love and affection towards, towards God for the next few minutes. Can we do that? Let's, let's do that. I'm grateful that Jesus loves me. I'm grateful that he can satisfy our hearts. You know what I mean? I'm grateful that he can hold our hearts and not mess them up. Some of you in here today, like, listen, somebody's lied to you. They've deceived you. They've hurt your heart. And I'm sorry that happened. But God can restore and God can heal. And God can put you where you need to be. Amen? Because he's faithful and he's good. I just want you to raise your hands all across from the front to the back. Lord, we love you. We love you so much. God, I thank you that you are good and you're faithful. Lord, I I talked a lot about a lot of stuff. And God, I hope that what we gathered was you were so faithful to us. Lord, we live in a culture that wants to steal our identity. It wants us to love the wrong things. And Lord, I pray that we would follow you and your word. Lord, I pray that we would not give in to the culture, but we would give in to you. Lord, you would truly be our master. We would follow you. Lord, I pray for people right now that their heart is hurt or broken from something. They have wounds from their past. Maybe what somebody said or did. Lord, I just pray that you would just restore and heal broken areas of our heart and our mind. Lord, we live in a fallen world and we've done things that we shouldn't. We've all messed up. God, we repent of things that we've done, but God, we ask you to come and restore and help and heal. God, I pray that you would give us a correct mindset of you and the correct mindset of how we should see ourselves. 
Lord, I pray for every relationship that's in here tonight. I pray for every marriage. I pray that you would strengthen that marriage. Lord, couples that are about to get married, I pray that you would bless them and help them and favor them. Lord, people that are in relationships right now that are dating, God, I pray that they would date your way. God, they would put you first. Lord, they would seek you as hard as they can. They would not compromise their standards. Lord, I pray for people tonight that are in a season of of being single. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them, encourage them. Lord, keep all of our minds just protected from the junk of the world. Lord, I pray tonight that you would bless your people. And God, for the next few moments, that we would truly give you what you deserve, our love and our worship in Jesus' name.